They're part of our worship team here and do an incredible job every week leading us in worship. Uh, you know, I, know I, I love the heart of our worship team. Um, you know, half of them, if they could stand behind a, a curtain and not be seen, they would choose to do that, you know. Uh, it, it's funny, so a lot of times the, the most introverted people end up with the ones in the microphone in their face, and they're just like, oh, God, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but every single week they serve our, our church in creating environments where people can worship God, connect with Him, and so uh, we're excited about our worship team. But they just sang a song, Joy to the World, and, uh, you know, it's kind of what I want to talk about today. Obviously, we're in the Christmas season, and uh, with the title of our message, our series being Every Season Has Its Song, uh, we're going to kind of lean into some of the messages behind some of the songs that we sing. And uh, many times we don't really think that deep about the songs that we sing, right? Um, I, th I think it's so funny that a lot of our Christmas songs um, uh, nowadays, especially given the kind of culture we have, they play all over the radio station. Jesus is talked about, but yet it's like, it's like atheists sing about Jesus coming to the earth during Christmas season. I, I just find it humorous, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's the only time of year that you hear Christ mentioned in a positive way in our culture. But, um, but it is true. And so these songs, we're going to kind of break them open, open a little bit. But our lives are made up of seasons, different seasons. And uh, it's different part, parts of life where we face struggles, we face trials, we, we, we face successes and victories. And so a lot of times, have you ever asked somebody, you know, how's it going? And they're like, man, I'm in a tough season right now. You know, or, hey, I'm in a, I'm in a good season. Well, Ecclesiastes 3 talks about this. It says there's a, uh, for everything there is a season and a time for uh, every matter under heaven. And a lot of times, you know, for everything there is a season, you know, a lot of us, we, whenever we hear that, we, we think of like our Instagram posts or we think of like, you know, a lot of people's homes have it somewhere in their house, like a little thing sitting there for everything. There's a time and a season. And, and you know what? A lot of times we grab onto a statement like that because it provides a sense, a sense of relief whenever we're in a really bad time. Uh, I remember whenever we first had our, our, our first kid, Ariana, she was just like a couple weeks old, I don't know, maybe a month old, and um, Nadine just got really super stressed out about some stuff, stuff that we were dealing with, with trying to figure out how to keep this baby alive. You know what I'm talking about? Like you go from keeping your dog alive to then you have like a human being in your responsibility, and it's kind of stressful. And so uh, she was kind of, you know, freaking out one night, and, uh, you know, not, not like too bad. I, I don't want to make her sound like, you know, it was, it was an insane time, but she was just emotional. And I just, I said, baby, listen, we're just in a season. Like, this is, man, in three months, we're going to be in a completely different season. And then another three months. And, like, so just everything's fine. You know, I didn't tell her to calm down because that's the number one thing you don't tell a woman to do. Come on. Hey, young man, listen. If she's ever struggling, don't say, calm down. That's a no-go zone. Anyway, that was for free. Okay? <laughs> but we're just in a season, all right? And, uh, and seasons represent good and bad times. And many times, if we think about spring and summer seasons in our lives, that's the good times right? Man, and it represents, you know, new birth in our life. You know, there's, there's hope. There's, maybe we have plans. You know, when you think about college, a lot of times that's like the springtime of life, man. You know, you've got these big ideas, these big plans. You're going to school to get an education, to have this career. And man, you've got this, this spring mindset, really. And, and summer is like that too, right? We say, man, I'm in a good season. It's like summer represents growth and success. But then there's fall and there's winter, all right, and, and I'm not really talking about just ages of people here because a lot of times when we talk about the, the later parts of life, it's fall and winter. I'm more talking about just the good and the bad times. In one year, you could have 
a good season and a bad season in one year, in, in a week, right? <laughs> it could go from good to bad. And so, but today I want to lean into the good times. I want to lean into the, the spring and the summer times. Uh, and, you know, we, we all face these seasons differently, but it's so important how we walk through these seasons. And the main theme of the song that we just sang, this Christmas song, is joy. And many times whenever we talk about joy and happiness, uh, we're, we're leaning into the spring and the summer times of life, the good times. And... Um, but uh, something that everyone eventually, you know, ultimately wants to experience is the spring and the summer. And we, <laughs> we want to stay there. Come on, y'all. How many of y'all, y- you want to stay in a summer and a spring season just, like, permanently? Like, I would be perfectly happy if we only had spring and fall, personally, you know. But, like, a warmer spring and a warmer fall. I don't really like the cold weather that much. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we all want a certain type of season. But life, that's just not the way it goes, man. It ebbs and it flows. There's a spectrum to the things that we face. And so there's a spectrum, uh, spectrum to the seasons that we face as well. But here's the deal. If the joy that we just sang about and, and, and the joy that we are searching for is determined by what season we're in, then the joy that we're talking about is a very unstable joy that's going to be very fleeting and we're going to begin to pattern our lives in a way that we're seeking after a joy that at the end of the day, we have no control over. You don't, have a, you don't actually have control over the seasons that you face in your life. We make plans, but life is life. Come on. I've had a lot of plans in my life at times, and it didn't work out. You know, uh, I'll give you one of those. When I was like 18, 19, up in that, in that time of life, man, we, we, uh, we had an, an incredible band, all right? incredible band. I'm being a little sarcastic because I've listened to the recordings lately and it was a lot better. My memory of the band was a lot better than, than what I heard on that recording recently. But, but we were awesome. And uh, we, <laughs> we, we, I mean, we worked hard. We wrote a bunch of songs and like we wanted to make it big. Come on, y'all. Like every, it's, like, it's like how everybody wants to be a YouTube influencer nowadays. You know what I'm talking about? Like what do you want to be? I want to be a, a YouTube star. Okay, all right. It was like back then, it was like everybody wanted to be in a band and like make it, get, get signed to a record label. You know what I'm talking about? Like that was a big thing. And um, so we opened up for this band down here in Biloxi Sanger. Again, I think we were like 20. Yeah, because, well, yeah, because what I'm about to say, it, it dates it. But um, we're playing. We had an incredible night. We actually were better than the headliner band that was there that night. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did it. And uh, so we had a guy there from a record company. He came and listened to us, and uh, he was like, oh, well, that was really good, man. Why don't you guys send us, like, a demo and blah, 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 blah. And we're like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is awesome. And so we had a lot of high hopes. And uh, the problem is is that the very next Saturday, literally the week later, Hurricane Katrina hit. So the very stage that we were, like, rocking out on, like, the whole entire theater was, like, full of water, and they had to gut the whole place, Right. And eventually, one of the guys, literally, we never saw him again. Literally, we were like this, and he moved, like, to Arizona or something like that, and I talked to him once since then. Like, he's gone. He's like, I'm out of this place, right? A couple other guys went to college. The whole thing just fell apart, right? We had this great plan. Man, we're in the spring season of life. Come on, y'all. We're planting some seed. We're ready. We're, we're doing the work. And then a Katrina came and, and completely obliterated it, you know? Now, that... Overall, that wasn't that really that big of a deal. Uh, it actually worked out for all of us that we did not pursue that life. But 
Let's take that example and let's throw that out there in all of our lives, right? How many times have you been waiting for, you know, you've been planning, you've been, been scheming for something to happen, and then a hurricane came through and destroyed all of your hopes, all of your dreams, you know, dashed it. And you almost kind of have to f- pick up the pieces, right? But, uh, but we have these plans, we have these things that we get excited about, and, uh, and a lot of times we equate it to joy. If this will happen, then I will be happy. So whenever we start talking about joy, I see that there's two types of joy. There's two types of joy. Number one, there's the joy of the world. Straight up. It's the joy of the world. And the joy of the world, a lot of times, does, it does sound like the phrase, I just want to be happy. And we talk about this quite a bit because happiness and joy are not completely the same thing, but there is an overlap, and they do kind of, kind of influence one another. But if we, if we just say, hey, you know, what, if you want joy, what does it look like? A lot of times people, they would, be, they would say, man, I just, I just want to be happy. And the problem with that is that most of the time, whenever we're saying that, it's very, very self-centered. I want to be happy, and if these things happen for me, then I will. There's a whole lot of I and a whole lot of me and a whole lot of my plans because typically our joy centers around, our happiness centers around ourselves. And if things are going good for us, then we're happy. And if they're not going good for us, then, man, you know, we're in the doldrums. And the reason is, is because joy of the world is a lot of times it's rooted in vanity. It's rooted in vanity. We just refer to Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiastes is Honestly, it's one of, I've said this a lot, but it's one of my favorite books. We did a, uh, Books of the Bible, we did a series on Ecclesiastes a couple of years ago, and for many people it sounds depressing, but for me, I'm like, he's being so honest, you know? He's like, everything is vain. Solomon, he talks about how he pursued all of these things in life, and he actually accomplished them, and once he accomplished them, once he, once he, you know, like all the spring things came to fruition in the summer and it was awesome, he realized that it was vain. Because a lot of times things are rooted in vanity. And vanity, the definition of vanity is this. It's excessive pride in one's appearance or accomplishments. Look what I have done. Right? Look what, look what I did. I always think about Tom Hanks and uh, Castaway whenever he creates the fire and he's like... I created fire, you know. It's like people stand around their life, and they're like, look what I have done, you know. And if it's good, they're, they're, very, they're very vocal about that. If it's bad, if things have fallen apart, then they don't like to take a lot of credit for that. But we like to blame other people for our failures. But for our successes, look what I have done. Look at how, good, look at how smart I am. Y'all aren't <clears throat> la- like laughing that much or like, you know. Is it hitting home a little bit? Because we do that. We, we kind of push the, the failures aside and we lift up the successes. And a lot of times it's because it's built on vanity, excessive pride in, in what we have done. And in good seasons, in the spring and summer times of our lives, we can lean into the joy that we find in the things of this world, the things that maybe we have done, which whenever you boil it down, there's not a lot left to it. And the joy of the world is rooted in this. It's rooted in I am the source, look what I've done. And there's another word for this. Uh, that you can kind of equate to this, it's, it's materialism. And I know, <laughs> I was talking to somebody um, right before we started service, and they were like, man, just, you know, thank you for just always being straight up about things and just saying it like it is and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you really don't care about what time of the year it is whenever you say stuff. And so today, I just want to lean for just a couple of minutes into materialism in the most materialistic month of the entire year that we will ever face. Um, you know, it, it, we're, we're steeped in it. 
We're steeped in it. We're looking at what we've accomplished this year. Come on, man. We're, we're buying presents for each other. Now, here's the deal. Presence and all of that is not a bad thing. It's not inherently bad, okay? Most things are not inherently bad. It's the overindulgence. It's the over, like, the, 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 the way that we focus in on it. I mean, for some people, they're going to go massively in debt in this month. They're going to swipe that credit card whenever they ain't got no way to pay for it because they want to have a good Christmas. Like, let's just, let's just do some math. What is it that pushes us into that place to literally put it all on the line so we can have all the things that we want? We get marketed in a way that says that we need all of these crazy, crazy outlandish things whenever it's just some, like, Fortune 500 company just feeding it down the tube, right? But it becomes part of our culture, but it's really built in materialism a lot of times, all right? Now, it's okay if you got, like, 17,000 gifts under the tree. We do too. No problem with it. It's not, again, it's not inherently wrong. I'm just pushing back on maybe a cultural thing here about materialism because it's rooted in this vanity and uh, I want to say this, materialism is not just something that rich people struggle with, because really vanity and materialism, it's really the love of wealth. The love of wealth. And the love of wealth is not something that just rich people have. All right? Watch. Ecclesiastes 5. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Now, just leave that scripture up there for a second, man. All right? He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. All right? So there, there's money, but there's also just wealth. There's possessions. And whenever we talk about the love of wealth, that right there is something that everybody deals with. It doesn't matter how many zeros are in your bank account right now. Because it's the love of wealth, but it's, it's also the pursuit of wealth that becomes materialistic and vain and a lot of times plays off of something in our hearts that, that is, is very, very sinful. And the love of wealth expresses itself in a lot of different ways. Now, I'm going to give you four really quick, and then we'll get to some more positive things that maybe you'll like more, okay? Um, <laughs> the love of wealth expresses itself in four different ways. Number one is, is we covet, all right? Now, now, covetousness. Covet means you see something, and it's like internally you're like, I want that. That's all it is. It's, it's, I want that. And then a lot of times that grows into to envy, which is I'm mad at you or I resent you for having that because I really want that. A lot of times at that place is where we begin to, um, um, we begin to resent or we get mad at people and we say things like, because they have what we want, and, they, and we say things like this. Well, what did they do to get that? You know what I'm saying? Well, how much money do they make? I, I bet that they, and we begin to like attack their character because they have nice things. Come on, y'all. So whenever we talk about envy, a lot of times we, and we, and we talk about covetousness and envious and, and, and all this stuff, a lot of times it, 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 people that have a lot get picked on. But whenever we're talking about this, people that don't have a lot do the same thing. And so it's the love of wealth. It's just displaying itself in a different way, which is resenting people for having nice things. If somebody ever has something nice, all right, they get that vehicle that you've been wanting, and there's something inside of you that looks at them and, and, and almost like attacks them internally or, or sees them in a negative light, and you can't just be like, dude, that's awesome that you were able to get that. Or that's if you can't celebrate somebody, something that somebody's enjoying like that, that says more about you, right? Daggers, daggers. <laughs> 
Because a lot of times, we don't think about it this way, y'all. But that grows into jealousy, which is this. This is mine. Now I've gotten it. Maybe I've, I've gotten it. And now I'm scared you're going to take it. Right? I'm a very jealous person. If you get close to anything that I have, like, man, there's a, I got a, you know, I got a foot thick inch, you know, or of, 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 I'm trying to say a big barrier around you. You know what I'm saying? Where you, a defense mechanism that comes up because I'm very jealous. And a lot of times that leads to greed, which is this. I'm not sharing this with anyone and I want more. You see the progression there? Covetousness, envy, an envy, envious spirit, a jealous spirit, and then it leads to greediness, which is the complete opposite of generosity, which is really something that God calls us to live. So as Christians, as believers, we can find ourselves in a very vain way of, of thinking, a materialistic way of thinking that puts us on this, this, this pattern, right, of becoming greedy, and it's the complete opposite of generosity, which is what Jesus calls us to live like. It's, what, it's how he lived his life. He was so open and transparent and, and with his life and what he had, right? A lot of times people are living their life clenched-fisted around what they have, and, and God calls us to live open-handed. But a lot of times, again, this is what the joy of the world looks like. The joy of the world rooted in this mindset that if I have all of the things that I want, then I will find joy and happiness. And, and guys, listen, I understand a, a lot of times that it's actually a, a pursuit for stability and security. Many people, they fall into a, a love of wealth, a pursuit of wealth, because they really just want security and stability in their life. And I understand that, you know. But, but the enemy has a way of playing off of a lot of things that sound really good and holy to where we could justify them in our life. But if we really boil them down, it's really just sin. Anybody with me on that? I mean, if you really start boiling it down, it's like, ah, I did resent that person whenever they got that. They got that promotion and I didn't. And you know what? They really, they really did a good job. They really deserved that promotion. But I really wanted it. And it's been five years and I can't stand to see their face. That might just be straight up envy in your life, right? And let's just be honest and call it what it is. You know, let the word of God kind of wash over us and, and, and hit us in the chest with it. And then repent of that. And not just continue to allow the enemy to play off of this sinful nature that's inside of us. And continue, continue to pull us deeper into those things. So, a joy that's rooted in this type of lifestyle is vanity. There's a lot of other things that we could have talked about in regards to this, but we just want to kind of pick that one, that one vein today about, about joy of the world. But there's joy of the world, right? Two types of joy, joy of the world. And then there's this, what this song just sang about, joy to the world. There's joy of the world, and then there's the joy to the world. And the things that we're about to talk about, as we begin to talk about them, are completely and utterly different than what we just spoke about. Because the first one, the joy of the world, really what we would say is, I just want to be happy, and if I have these things, then I will be happy. So it's, very, it's based upon ourselves, our life, what we're experiencing. And the joy to the world it doesn't have a lot to do with us at all. Right? It doesn't. And the joy to the world that this song talks about is the fact that Jesus has come, right? 
He's baby, baby in a manger, joy to the world. And, and as we look at some of these lyrics in a second, we're, gonna, we're also going to see this, which a lot of you might not realize. This song is, is, is written about, yes, joy to the world, Jesus coming. But actually, it's more about the second coming of Jesus. So it's not just joy to the world, look, you know, Christ has come. It's Christ is coming. And for those whose faith is is, is anchored in that truth, then there is a joy that wells up inside of you that has nothing to do with how much you have under the tree right now. Because it's, it's a completely different category. And it's, it's, it's the more important category, and it's the, it's the level in your life uh, uh, and, and, and in your purpose that's much deeper than how many zeros you got in your bank account. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of times we flip that, we flip that upside down, and the base joy that we have is based upon materialistic things. And then we try to like kind of like fit Jesus into that. And whenever you try to fit the joy to the world, kind of like around and, you know, around joy of the world, it just doesn't fit right. But whenever you have it in the right order, right, whenever you have it in the right order, then actually... The joy of the world, the things that you do enjoy in this life have way more meaning. I was talking to some people about this um, a while back. So many times whenever, you know, I'm, I'm driving up to my house or um, hanging out with my family or, yeah, I mean, it could be anything. It could be playing golf with some buddies. It, 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 literally, you name it. There's, there's a, a gratitude in my heart that wells up, and I thank God for the things that I have. And whenever I thank God for the things that I have, um, first off, it removes all pride that I did this. You know what I'm saying? That, that like, oh, look what I have done. It removes that. It gives credit and honor and glory to God for the things that I have. But it also makes those things uh, matter more. Because it's not just about what I'm doing or what I have. It's about the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm posturing my life in submission and surrender to God. And so many Christians miss this. We miss, we miss it. We miss the opportunity to find true joy in the things that, that may bring us some happiness, but it's a deep-rooted joy. And so it's, it's a joy to the world. And I want to read you some lyrics to the song. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every part prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. How many of you, it's probably the first time that you've read the lyrics in a long time, and you're like, I've been singing that wrong. <laughs> in heaven and nature sing, in heaven and nature sing. It's like, what are we actually saying right there? Anyway, but it goes on in the verses. It says, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. This song really comes from Psalms 98. If you go read Psalm 98, a lot of these thoughts come from that psalm. And, and that, the psalm, uh, you can just go read it on your own, but, but it talks about a lot of things, but it also talks about how uh, this king who's coming is going to judge the world with righteousness and equity. And, you know, one thing that I know that whenever we attach, whenever we talk about joy in the world, joy of the world, 
one of the things that we want in this life, man, we want, we want everybody to kind of be on the same level playing field when it comes to, to many things in life. And whenever I was reading this and it said he will judge the world with righteousness and equity, I just, I looked at those words and I'm like, man, that's the language of our generation. That's, man, come on. That's what we want. We want righteous just judgment. We want justice in our, in our land. And whenever I read this and, and I think about our world today, there's a lot of things that we want, that we've wanted throughout history that only Jesus provides. Man cannot produce like, like the things that we desire. And so we build systems and we try to create heaven on earth, right? And, and we put our hope in systems and in people like we don't know history. That systems and people will always let us down, right? But, but people, they, they put their joy in these things. They put their hope in these things. And then whenever these things fail, there's nothing else to look forward to. There's no other hope. There is no justice. There is no righteousness to look forward to. It's all what we can create with our hands. And that leads to a lot of different issues, a lot of different problems, a lot of disunity. And although as believers, we should be setting the tone for these things and we should be speaking these things and we should be living out these things in our life, at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that we're searching for that we know at the end of the day are never gonna be perfected. And the author of Psalm 98 knew it. He's like, there is a king who is coming who will rule the world properly. Like, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like the part of us that desires things that we never feel they're satisfied, he is going to satisfy those things. But in the meantime, we have a hope that's based in that future coming of Christ, that king who will set all things right. So I don't know if this is like encouraging you, but what I'm trying to do is anchor your joy in something that's so much more meaningful and outlasts the bad seasons. Come on, y'all. And also outshines the good ones. Because for some of you, you might be in a tough time right now. It might be fall or winter, and we're going to dig into those things next week. And you're looking for the good season, but some of you are in the good season and you're in fear that one day those good seasons are going to end. So you're doing everything in your power to maintain this, this happiness, but you're also living in fear that you're going to lose it. So no matter where we're at on this spectrum, good seasons, bad seasons, whatever, the, what we're talking about transcends those things. Even what we see in our world. The joy that we find is found in the hope of Jesus' return, when all things will be completely restored back to peace, back to order. The, the Bible has this word, it's shalom, and it's this picture of like every brick being perfectly placed on another and it being, there, there being integrity and order. And whenever God created the world, he created it with integrity and order. It was optimal. It was good. And sin came in and undermined that foundation and undermined those things. And so in the beginning, there was joy, there was peace, there was hope. And now we find ourselves, a lot of people trying to find these things without the author of the book. Right? They're trying to cook up a meal and not using the, 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 
you know, the most important ingredients. And so they start finding other things to kind of throw in there, and it just don't taste right. It's not going to taste right. So today, church, I want to point you to a greater hope, a greater joy. First Peter 1 says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The most paramount thing, right, that you could be searching for, seeking, thinking about is the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Not just, am I happy today? Are you all with me on that? You see that? Now, are you like me? Do you feel yourself like feeling like you're kind of getting pulled into two different directions because you've spent the last six days thinking about how happy you are and how you feel about things, and now I'm talking about how that could be potentially rooted in something that might be sinful, and you're like, but it feels so right, and all the people that I'm around, this is where they're at, and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And I just, come on, on this Sunday morning, I want us to just kind of get, like, just hit inside the head real quick. Like, come back to a biblical reality. Materialism and vanity and the joy of this world is not the main thing. It's not the main pursuit of your life. And for some of you, I could probably get you up here to, to, to talk about your own life, uh, especially some of you older people that have been around the tree a few times. Come on. You know, you, maybe you even had success in a lot of those things. And, I mean, you, you were, like, on the on, on the top of the top and you look back and you're like you know it was good and I think that we should we should seek to have good lives man and, and you know I talked about college I think that's great I think that man we should seek to do our best in our careers and and in our families and and man if you got dreams in your heart pursue them all of that is not vanity like in and of itself I think you guys kind of get where I'm coming on in this right but but it's the it's the it's the it's whenever we make it an idol in our life and again maybe some of you you don't have a lot right now. You know, you're not, you wouldn't consider yourself to be in a, a place like a spring or a summer. But I want to challenge that pursuit of those things and say, man, be careful about your heart condition when it comes to those things. And don't let the enemy play off of the good intentions that you have. Right? And, and, and flip those things upside down and end up making those things an idol in your life. Because God has called us to so much more. Two types of joy, joy of the world. Come on, y'all, let's be aware of that joy but let's pursue the joy to the world, which is Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths of your word. God, today I pray that you would help us to, to find joy in Jesus as opposed to joy in our circumstances, to find joy in the outcome of our faith, which is salvation, as opposed to what we have or don't have. Today, God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, fill us with your perspective, God, where, where maybe we have fallen into the temptation, we've fallen into the trap of, uh, of being envious and covetous and maybe we've become jealous or, or God, maybe we're beginning to fall into the trap of just living a greedy life, which is holding onto everything that we have with a, with a tight fist. God, I pray that you begin to soften our hearts to these things. And God, by your spirit, you would guide us to the, what actually brings us true joy, true life, true fulfillment, something that transcends all of the rest. And God, we know that to be you. 
God, that you are our creator. We are made in your image. And God, the hope and the joy, the peace, all the things that we desire are fruits of your spirit. It's the fruit of who you are. And God, we're in a pursuit of those things. And so God, right now, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see where we have been blinded, to see where we have uh, had wrong thinking. We've put things out of priority. And recenter our hearts right now, Jesus. We thank you. Come on, every eye closed, every head bowed. You're just allowing God to, to search your heart. This isn't a point of condemnation for you. If, if right now you're feeling condemned and you're feeling heavy and, and oh, like a failure in some of these things, I, wanna, I want you to, to not let the enemy uh, uh, play off of that in your life. Conviction of the Holy Spirit, there's a sobriety to it, there's a gravity to it, but there's a hope to it. And the hope is that God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. His mercies are renewed daily for you. He's designed you for a certain purpose and the enemy has a certain design for you that that leads to destruction. And it starts also with, it really starts with the faith that you have and where your faith is. And for some of you right now in this room, some of you watching online, you know that you're far from God. You don't have a relationship with him. When When I talk about knowing God, or, or walking with God, or being a follower of Jesus, none of those things, de- they don't really define your life. And today I want to give you an opportunity in your own heart, in your own, own heart, with, in your own relationship with God, to come back to Him. If that's you, you know you're far from Him, so you say, God, I pray that you forgive me. I pray that you set me on the right path. I repent right now from the way that I've been living, the way that I've been thinking. I come to you. I thank you that your grace is sufficient for me, that you're faithful and and just to forgive me of my sins. That's what your word says. And I thank you for that. I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin and was raised again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.